Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. All right, fellas, you guys about ready to start. How's it going? Going well. How are you guys? We're doing great. It's uh, it's exciting to have you on with us, and we've been looking forward to this for for some time. And uh, so to bring everybody together, especially uh, given all the challenges um, in getting together in person, this is certainly the next best thing. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is great. Well, absolutely. And for, for the listeners who are joining us for the first time, and by the way, Mike, this is supposed to be uh, slotted to be our introduction episode. So thank you very much. We've got a few in the can, but we wanted to save um, our kind of having you on as being really the inaugural piece. Can I just stop you for a second? Because that might be a horrible strategy. If you want, <laughs> if you want anybody to listen to the next few that you've, that you've already worked so hard on, I'm not sure that's the best thing. Well, Mike, we figure we set the bar low, we can only exceed it. <laughs> you know, that's what my wife said the day she married me. I, that's amazing. A common refrain. Yeah. There's no nowhere to go but up from here, Mike. <laughs> well, and for the guest, everybody, if uh, if you're not familiar, joining us for this episode of the Spirit of Time podcast is none other than Michael Heyman. Uh, Michael is a watch collector, longtime watch collector, and really kind of the visionary and maybe the empresario behind Chrono Group. Chrono Group is a, a multi-city collector consortium, um, you know, where people come together and share their passions. And we're just, we know Michael as a, a Southern California collector of some, uh, I won't say ill repute, some, some great fame. How about that? Ill repute was probably more accurate. <laughs> so before we, before we talk about me though, um, I have to ask if this is the first episode. I, I certainly want to know um, why. <laughs> why? Why did you guys want to commit to a, a podcast that is obviously going to require a lot of work, a lot of effort, and energy? If you think it's going to be a lot of work, you don't know me. A lot of effort and energy. I, I lowball everything I do. <laughs> Strictly the bare minimum. That's that's my philosophy. No, sorry. Go, go ahead, Greg. I also figure there's not any watch podcasts out there. And so we, we wanted to come in and fill a niche, you know, a spot, you know, that hadn't been done before. But, you know, and, I, uh, I, I, it's, I, it's, it's great you say that. I was driving along today listening to uh, to uh, the Grey NATO, that hiking and, and swimming podcast, thinking, what if they combined watches with this? That would be fantastic. So I can kind of see that this could maybe fill that void. You know what? You should contact them. That is a great idea. <laughs> somehow, somehow, I think that that they would not want to listen to me. But um, so, and, and again, I know I'm kind of jumping on top of this. But so, you guys 
you know, when we talk, this is, this is, you know, it's alcohol, it's watches, it's, you know, it's going to probably be so much more than that. But I was kind of wondering, you know, for you, the two of you, what inspired your desire to combine those two elements of, of enthusiasm, of interest? Well, Greg, I'll start if you don't mind. Um, I think in, in a nutshell, so Greg and I know each other and met through, you know, one of the local get togethers that we do that's um, kind of an out, outgrowth, I guess, of the LA Watch Gang. And that's just the, uh, the group that our friend Chase, uh, formerly of On Time Podcast, right, um, that he hosts in Pasadena. And that's how we know you as well. But, you know, we're San Gabriel Valley guys and we're kind of out in the hinterlands. And most of the, the LA watch scene really is kind of LA downtown or west, mostly west um, or down in South Orange County. And it's just not really good for us. So we miss that sense of regular community. And then COVID strikes and, you know, everything is just kind of out the window. So this just seemed like a good opportunity to emulate the success, frankly. And, you know, obviously we're joking before, right? I mean, there's the gray NATO and maybe you've heard of this other thing, the Hodinkee radio. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, obviously some others, I'm a, I'm a voracious consumer of podcasts and I really like the girls from 10 and two and the guys over at whiskey and watches. And then obviously, you know, there was on time and on time kind of, if you want to think of it like that, I guess, kind of sort of spawned um, the out of time podcast. And we figured, Hey, let's, let's do our thing too. There's a little space that's left over, I think, because we have these overlapping hobbies and overlapping interests. And it seems like all of us, you know, uh, when we get together, there'll be, you know, a little bit of an adult beverage and some conversation about that adult beverage. And we'd like to, you know, explore that a little bit more in addition to the watches and the, the cameras and the travel and the stuff that everybody else talks about. We all love it. There's more the merrier, I suppose, but we want to unpack that box a little bit. Greg has a, a good way to put this. You know, Sorry, Matt, Matt pitched it to me a, a little while back and, and at first it, it didn't resonate with me, but it finally he, he positioned it as a watch happy hour. And that really made sense to me. Felt like I had something that I would want to talk about on, on a more regular basis and I want to get into your your passions around whiskey and, and bourbon, but there's this sort of uh, passion, you know, that I have, of course, on on agave spirits, tequilas, and mezcals, and others. And so I I feel like I like you probably do a, a great passion towards both of them. And so to be able to marry those and talk about them um, with other people who also care deeply about them that that actually made a lot of sense to me. And um, you know, I love watch. I love watches and, and, and talking about them. But the truth of the matter is, you know, there's a lot of people that are know so much more than I'll ever know. And um, you know, I love listening to them talk about it. But I didn't feel like I could add to that conversation. But bringing these two, you know, or three or four or five different uh, combinations of spirits and and and, and timepieces that that was something that really um, resonated. And I thought this is going to be fun. We're going to have fun doing this. I I love that and and I have to say I've been looking forward to not just participating today with you both but really looking forward to the long term and and to seeing what you turn out I I, I think it's just such a such a fantastic idea I got another question as I was thinking about today I I, I was thinking for me there are there are a lot of commonalities 
between um, watches and spirits. But you know, I, I want to hear what you both find um, integrates those things. What brings them together in in ways that excite you? You know, I want to, and, and first and foremost, too, I think um, you've been such a big inspiration, I think, to bringing people together over watches, but with other related um, hobbies and passions. And so that always, I think, spoke to Matt and I. And then, uh, you know, you you're, you kind of helped, I think, push the guys over at the Out of Time podcast to really ha- have the rubber meet the road. And so I, this is almost serendipitous to have you here with us to uh, almost uh, do the, a similar kind of uh, encouragement. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I think, you know, like you said, with the, the, the related passions, the related activities between spirits and watches, it it wasn't obvious to me at first. I just thought that they were kind of disparate, uh, interests of mine. And, um, but obviously I knew that there was a lot of people in the watch fan that loved whiskeys or that loved beer, that loved even coffee and these other things that we, you know, we all love to consume some of us more than others. And I had a meeting once with somebody and, and they actually said to me, you know, th- these things that you're interested in have more in common that you, than you're probably even considering. There's obviously um, a science, right. And an, uh, an engineering aspect to creating these timepieces that go into, um, you know, producing them and designing them and bringing them to, to the market uh, just the same as there is, you know, science and engineering behind distillation. Uh, but there's also an artwork and there's also uh, sort of the sense, the sensory piece that comes to it. Um, when it comes to, um, you know, making spirits, brewing beer, um, you know, other things. And, and the same comes with watches. There's a there's a, a, a certain um, art that goes with it as well, beyond just the the kind of the numbers and the science to it. So it, it never occurred to me that I liked, I enjoyed these two things um, that had more in common than I ever really gave them credit for. Absolutely. So I think that was a fantastic question, Mike. And um you know, is it really made me think there's clearly there's a connection because so much, so many of us are interested in these things. And for me, watches are, um, I would say an evocative kind of a thing more than anything else. And the watches that really connect for me are the, the watches that make me think, or that they're a touchstone of some other important thing in my life, whether it, you know, it was a trip or travel, um, or I have this fascination with Japan uh, you know, full disclosure, it never been, but you know, Seiko for, for me makes me think of that. And it makes me think of like all the stories my father-in-law used to tell me about, you know, his travels to Japan back when he was doing West packs to Vietnam, you know, years ago as a young guy. And, you know, I've got a, an old, uh, Tutima chronograph, you know, one of the military chronograph Lamania powered watches that, that just every time I look at it or hold it pulls me back into, you know, an early part of my childhood and early adulthood, you know, kind of that late cold war when I was training to be a pilot and all that stuff. And there's a similar thing with, um, in particular with beer and wine that for me, it's, it harkens to travel that I've done, um, you know, family events and things like that. We, I, I have a winemaker in the family Greg is into spirits. I'm a craft beer guy and, you know, know a great deal about California wine. And again, full disclosure, like I'm not in the industry. I'm not an expert, but I'm just an interested layperson. And for me, um, you know, I can't, you know, open a, you know, let's say a, a Paul Honor, you know, Munich lager without thinking of my trips to Germany, you know, and my friends overseas and things like that. And, 
you know, popping open an 805, just a simple, you know, regular, the 805 is, you know, uh, made, you know, a half a mile up the road from my brother-in-law's vineyard. And right. that's the, that's the sort of thing that I love and the watches are the same way. Fantastic. That's great. I, what, what I love so much about your answers is they're, they're different. Yeah. And it just illustrates, you know, that we all come to the party with a whole different perspective, a whole different mindset. So thanks for taking the time to, to answer those. I think they're great for me. It's for me, it's, these are all things that bring people together. Um, you know, every single one of those things somehow connects people and more and more people. And so I really appreciate, uh, you taking the time to, to express that. Um, so, the the podcast, um, you know, ultimately will will take on a life of its own. But in the short term, where where do you see yourselves? You know, I've listened to some podcasts that deal with multiple issues, but tend to kind of lean one way or the other. They they tend to focus on on one specific thing over all the others. And so I'm curious, as you go through this journey, at least the first you know, steps of this journey, um, yeah, how do you see that going? How do you see the, the conversation going between watches and, and you know, spirits or, or whatever drink we're talking about um, unfolding? That's what I love about Matt is he uh, he has the ability to uh, lay everything out that, you know, not a lot of people that I wouldn't be able to do ahead of time. And so it's been really fun to imagine um, some of these reoccurring themes that we'll see on the pod, whether, you know, simple things like a wrist check or a poor check, which is not revolutionary. Right. But it just kind of keeps uh, the conversation fresh about what you're drinking or what you're enjoying on your wrist to, I think, some more unique and um, uh things that'll be kind of specific to the podcast, like the cocktail matchmaker, right? What kind of ingredients are on, on your, in your back bar right now? Can we whip up something that might go with dinner this weekend? Um, and, and so I think that there's going to be a consistency to all of these elements rather than, you know, what's the next watch release? Oh, we're going to get consumed talking about that. And well, maybe in an episode or two from now, we'll, we'll get back to talking about whiskey or beer or wine or, or tequila. And so I think, some of those really unique um, elements that we've been baking into the podcast that'll that'll be frequent enough will help keep, I think, uh, um, that present. Nice. Yeah, there's looking back too. It seems like if we had gone back and maybe planned to do this a year ago, and we're starting this, let's say in January, February, 2019, or I should say uh, 2020, or at the end of 2019, I think we would have probably been in a place where we'd talk about, you know, um, the cocktail matchmaker. And we'll, we'll explain that in a minute, or some of these other things. And then it's almost a struggle to kind of find watch content. I think now if we make an effort of, you know, to talk about things like, you know, a, a particular spirit release or a beer that we like or whatever, the watch stuff is going to shoehorn its way in because this year, if anything, it feels like the watch news is coming fast and furious. And it's not like, it's not like it was before where you've got this little bit of a drought from the winter and then all of a sudden, you know, it's SIHH and Basel world and just boom, boom, boom. And then all these releases there's this massive avalanche of watch news. And then what you get for the rest of the year in terms of watch talk and watch content is 
hey, a week on the wrist, or we finally evaluate in August that watch that was released or shown at, at Basel six months ago. Now, things seem, it feels like there's each company is having some kind of a drop you know, every couple of months. And, but when you look at the calendar, um, stuff just comes fast and furious. I have a feeling we're going to, if anything, it's going to be an embarrassment of riches of things to talk about on the watch side. We'll probably have to pare that down. If anything, I think, I think you might be right. I think the line, uh, the, the release schedule has become blurred um, in COVID. And I think it's going to stay that way. I, I got to go back to something you've mentioned a couple of times and, and I'm probably now taking us way off the uh, the agenda. But I've got to ask you about the, the cocktail matchmaker because you've said it a couple of times and I know you say you're going to go back to it, which tells me you've got that planned at some point in time. So I'm going to just kind of jump ahead because I want to know more about that. I, that. That to me is is pretty cool sounding. I want to give Matt credit for, I think, really dreaming that one up. And so maybe he could share a little bit of how, uh, how he was inspired to do that. So um, have you ever watched uh, Spike Ferriston's show, Car Matchmaker? I don't Absolutely. Know, it's, yeah. it's not no longer extant, but it was a great concept and it was a fun show. So I really love that. And um, I had this idea, oh, we should do something called like Watch Matchmaker. Well, uh, several months ago, another podcast started doing that. So we won't be doing that, but um, it's still a great concept. And I'm trying to learn from Greg on the cocktail side of things. Again, you know, I'm, I'm typically pouring a good beer or a good glass of wine, and I'm an absolute soup sandwich behind the bar. And Greg is pretty talented. So we came up with this idea of I would pose a question to Greg or we would you know, have our friends as this grows, you know, funnel questions to us. Hey, I'm, I like this kind of thing in general, maybe, you know, something that's kind of booze forward or, you know, uh, uh, maybe I'm having this kind of a meal or whatever and explain it X, Y, Z, give us some parameters. And then, you know, Greg would crunch on this and, or maybe a guest mixologist would crunch on this and come up with a suggestion for a cocktail. And then, you know, some, some basic idea of how to make it. I love it. I think it's a great idea. And as soon as I heard it, I thought of car matchmaker and I'm thinking, God, I hope it's kind of like that. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> that's cool. That's really do you good. drink, do you drink typically neat? Um, or do you like to mix up sometimes? I'm curious. You know, I, I mixed, mixed feelings about that, but typically neat. You know, I started out as a guy that thought that if you poured anything in the glass other than whatever it was, right, um, that somehow that was an abomination and something would come out of the sky and, and into your life. Um, I've since learned that that's not true and that it's okay to to experiment, to have some fun. Actually, Greg, you know, it's, it's folks like you and me paying attention to, to some of the stuff that, uh, that I see you doing that, that kind of has inspired that. So yeah, that, thanks for the question. Oh, I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, I actually feel similarly to you. I, for a long time, I was very, you know, very much in the neat camp. And if I went to a bar or a restaurant where they really knew what they were doing, that's where I might let somebody take the reins and show me something that I wouldn't be able to do, I think myself. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, with the pandemic, I had more time on my hands and, you know, I could take the energy to, to, to attempt some of these things. And it's been really fun. And, um, you know, I've been learning along the way too, but it's been, it's been a blast. And I, I think I feel differently now about it than I did even maybe a year ago. Well, anybody that, anybody that doesn't follow you on Instagram, uh, is missing out. It's, it's a lot of fun. And so I'm going to put in a plug right now. 
Uh, it's at time underscore and underscore tequila, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and if I got that wrong, it's okay for you. It's not, it's not too much self-promotion for you to go ahead and correct me. No, you nailed it. Thank you for that. It's, uh, I've, I've had a lot of fun on here and, um, I, you know, even as I reflected back on how I, you know, got onto Instagram and I think about the conversation you had with a few folks on podcasts and even just knowing you and meeting you, the, the, that community, which is again, related to Chrono Group, I think, which I'd love to get into shortly as well, is what I think drives this. Um, you know, there's time and energy that we put into sharing, um, you know, what we love to collect and, 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 and things like that. But what, what meeting these meeting people and having these kind of conversations, that's what really keeps it going strong, in my opinion. Well, hey, guys, speaking of uh, what we love to collect, we probably should have done. I think I'm looking at the clock and it says we're about 19 minutes in, which is fine. But we've managed to go about 20 minutes without a wrist check on what is supposed to be a, a watch oriented uh, podcast. So, Mike, what is on your wrist today? Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, this is, this is a, a Panerai Pam uh, 721. It's the anonymous dial radiomere. Uh, it, 47 millimeters of, of steel and and uh, and, and glass. <laughs> the big rads are so awesome. They're they're probably the only big watch that wears well for me. I I like those a lot. And is that the one that's got the um, the blued handset? It does, yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, a bit of a throwback to um, the original references that would have been worn, uh, you know, during World War II by Italian and and German uh, military personnel. And how does it wear? I mean, I've heard you say before it it wears differently than you might even expect. It does because yeah, you know, when you think about you know, say a, a forty-two millimeter Speedmaster, you know, it's got reasonable lugs you know they're not huge but they're not small either and this watch i wouldn't say wears like a 42 millimeter speedmaster but it's actually doesn't wear much bigger than that either um it's those wire lugs that you know that kind of do the trick and so it wears i think it wears really really well um i won't take you too deep into the panerai woods but you know there there are some other references that use a, a thinner movement back from the early 2000s that actually wear smaller than my than my speedmasters well they're cool watches that's for sure and they seem like it is it, a lifestyle kind of unto themselves i've i've had a number of panerai and they are neat and they're addictive they they are addictive um it's it, yeah well you can see my instagram and and you would know that that the sickness is real. You know, I, <laughs> Greg's just lost his mind in laughter over there, which I totally get, by the way. I, I, honestly, this is going to sound funny, but I think the lack of physical get-togethers has taken one element out of, out of the watch enthusiast thing that I've learned needs to be removed uh, from it, and that is self-awareness and self-consciousness. Um, you know, if, if I was showing up to a meetup, I had to make sure I had the right watch on, you know, and, and I tailored the watch to the room. And I realized that since there's no room, I tailored the watch to me. And I, I still have all those other watches or most of them. And the reality is, is I throw a Panerai on almost every day. And there's, you know, there's a history, there's a design language, 
there's a million things. And I, I, I tend to like asymmetrical uh, ideas, things that are a little outside the, the common thinking. And so just the controversy of the of the whole thing and the story and, and everything else, it's I, I love it. Uh, you delved so so much into what I had to ask you about that, and I think we're going to talk more about it. But that what a what a cool answer! It's so self aware and uh, a reflection, I think, on you know your collection, but also collecting in general. So that's that's amazing. Thank you for that, Matt. What's on your wrist? All right, fellas. Well, I wore something special, and like um, like Mike, I totally agree. I found when I was going to a get together, there's this pressure to bring sort of the newest, latest, greatest, or you know, to have that halo piece on or whatever. And I find myself wearing much more frequently these days my Taproot watch, which is you know this old um, two tone. It's very you know dated looking, although it looks pretty cool on a strap. Actually, this old uh, Tag Heuer mid 1990s Tag Heuer 4000. Um, it's the one with the uh, you know, the shield that has uh, the green and red at 12 o'clock on the exterior of the watch. So in other words, the, uh, the shield is kind of literally molded into molded into the case and into the top of the, the bezel. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it's a reminder of, you know, old times for me. Um, this watch was purchased by my wife and I kind of together in the first year of our marriage. My wife was one of those who was like, Hey, you know, I got a nice set of rings and you, you basically got, you know, nothing. Do you want a watch? She knew I I've liked watches for a long time. And this is the, you know, like a lot of people will make in air quotes. This is the first nice watch I had that wasn't, you know, a, a Seiko quartz or a Casio dive watch from when I was a scuba diver. And that sort of thing. And, you know, when I, I put this on a, a leather strap, it wears really well. Um, it's, you know, just about 39 millimeters. It's slim. Um, it is just time and date and that's it. And it's a, a cool watch. And it's like I said before, it's an evocative piece. I, I like it a lot. It's very cool. They are and awesome. it's, yeah, like and it's kind of contrary because, you know, it's, it's as much as the community feels about Tag Heuer plus or minus, I'm I'm out there like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Absolutely. Good for you. And I feel like I've seen that on your wrist more now that you mention it. And I don't know um, that I saw it as much previously. And it, it's a really, it's a cool watch. I love the story. I love the origin of it. And uh, it reminds me growing up too, you know, kind of it was an aspirational watch, you know, as I, as I remember in my younger days before I could, you know, consider something like that. Yeah, that's right. It's, you know, we think about the mall watch and that's kind of gone. I mean, you can't go to, right. let's say, a, to a Macy's anymore and, you know, buy an, an Omega Seamaster or maybe you can attack Hoyer, at least certain references, but a lot of things that you could get, you can't get anymore. And this was one of those benchmark things, you know, that if you were not really, um, into the space yet, you know, and in the nineties, we didn't really have the fora. I mean, we had, you know, magazines and that was it. And, um, yeah, for me, it was an aspirational thing. And, you know, I, it was, yeah, really, like I said, it was that, that, uh, first kind of toe into the water and it, it, everything moved very rapidly for the past 20 years. How about you, Greg? What have you got? I've got my Omega Railmaster on 39 mil. Um, this is the 2503 ref. So that not the most recent reissue, uh, but the one previous to that. So this is about mid 2000s. And I think I was getting Panerai vibes, you know, as I was thinking about today. Um, it, it's not okay. evocative of Panerai at all, but it's just a 12369 dial, no date. 
Um, simple, not fussy, um, but just packs a ton of character, I think, into what it is. And it's kind of a go anywhere, do anything, you know, throw it on and it's ready to, to explore. Um, you know, it's a, a great watch. I love it a lot. I've worn that watch and it is an explorer killer. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. We have uh, some fun banter back and forth with folks like Summer and, and others. But uh, the truth of the matter is I found it as a Rolex, as an Explorer alternative. And I, I learned very quickly that it was much more than that. And so it's it, it really it stands on its own merits. Always been one of my favorite Omegas. So very now cool. that we've got our wrist checks underway, as I'm apt to do, what's everybody drinking? Mike, what's in your glass? Uh, actually, uh, I'm sitting here in my office, so I'm embarrassed to say that I have a semi-fully stocked uh, credenza, not bar. Um, and so it's Talisker. It's a, it's a single malt from Speyside. It's uh, Talisker 10. It's got uh, a lot of peat in it, um, which I, I like, especially on a rainy day like today. It's kind of for those of uh, of you that are either not here in Southern California with us, or or unable to to see through the uh, the lens of a podcast. It's a gray uh, a gray wet afternoon, so it just felt like the perfect thing. I can't put the fire on here, but I can put a little fire you know in the glass. So that's what I did. I have uh, I have a good friend who's been. Uh, intent on bringing me over to um, to the to the whiskey side and, and bourbons too, and I have found that the PD ones really speak to me. So this is this is one I'm going to mark down to to get a hold of. I think with your uh, your interest in mezcals, um, you know, this is kind of the whiskey equivalent in a way, not really, but but kind of. And uh, yeah, I could see that for you definitely. Matt, what's in your glass? Well, it's not Lagavulin. But, Actually, I need, uh, to, I need to interrupt, Matt. It's what was in his glass. Well, we were talking. He went through three or four glasses. Oh, wait. There's the fourth glass now. Go ahead, Matt. There's my, yeah, my my third pour. No, <laughs> folks, I'm I'm on my first. Uh, <laughs> this is the, uh, the Fortaleza. Nice. Yeah, yeah, the Reposado. And this actually probably was, um, I think, the, the bottle of tequila between me and Greg that started the conversation that started us on the road to this podcast, actually, because I, we have kicked around the idea of doing something like this together, creative, whether it was, you know, hosting a get together in San Gabriel Valley. And, you know, I've jokingly called it SGV Chrono or, <laughs> you know, doing, um, doing a podcast or something. And we were in a, a bottle shop that's local to me with a really good tequila selection. And I'm like, dude, teach me about tequila. Teach me about mezcal. And he pointed me in the direction of this one. Um, it's quickly become a favorite. It's a, a really good easy, neat pour. Um, and I find, you know, like, as you said, Mike, it's kind of matches the weather nicely. Um, but at the same time, like this could be easily a summer pour as well. Absolutely. Uh, in yeah. The base of a cocktail. Yeah. And it's fun. And it was kind of inspirational in that way. So that's why I, I grabbed this. I think, Perfect. uh, Matt is still intent on making the hashtag SGV chrono, um, you know, become, uh, something larger. And so you, you just have to, you know, keep your eyes open, Mike. And, and, uh, I don't think that, that, that effort of his is over. <laughs> I, I would be, uh, I would be super excited about that. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to get, um, I know we have at least one other, uh, 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 certainly above, I think in terms of, uh, 
luminescence in the watch world. But Morgan King, I think, is local to us, Greg. I don't know if you knew that. So we have to either try to get him on or, um, sorry, Morgan, if you ever hear this, I'm blowing you up and we've never talked to you about this. But uh, we'll just, we'll see how that goes. But maybe, yeah, he could uh, be the foundation for an SGV chrono movement or something. Who knows? Anyway, so we've done a wrist check. We've done a poor check, or have we, Greg? What do we have here? So I, I knew we were going to be talking, you know, with a heavy whiskey and bourbon influence. And so I grabbed Reposado um, to sort of play into that. I didn't have a, a bottle that I thought Mike would give me a, a, a stamp of approval on on the brown <laughs> side. So, um, so I've got this 1921 uh, tequila Reposado. It's a uh, single barrel Reposado. So they used uh, whiskey barrels on this one to age. And this is a, I guess you would call it vintage. I know Mike's a big bottle hunter as well. So this is a, from an old distillery that's no longer in existence. And and I, I think we all can talk about how, or think about that time when you find that, that bottle or that, that timepiece that you were searching for, or you didn't expect to find. And what a, what a, 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 a moment of, you know, joy it is when you come across that one. And so I found this one not too far away as well and figured it was a good one to pour for us today. What a fantastic choice! Thanks for pulling that. I love, I love it when people actually come across those those old bottles, whatever they are. I think it's amazing. So that's great. Well, Mike, we've gone like as I said before, we've completed our pour check and a wrist check, right? That's the must dos. Let's kind of flip the script and go back to talking about you a little bit. So we did not want to rehash your episode and the content that you shared with our friends um, Summer and Josh on the Out of Time podcast, but. You did talk about something that both Greg and I remembered, even you know, unaided. We had good recall, and that is you talked about pouring four roses with them. Um, I'm somebody who's kind of exploring, you know, bourbon now, and I've landed at least temporarily, I think, on Mitchers Kentucky Bourbon as my, you know, daily pour here at the house. I, don't worry, folks. I'm not really hitting this daily, but. Um, it's something I like and even a lot. If you were, this is a no judgment zone. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Always uh, drink responsibly, folks. Uber, by the way. Um, but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about Four Roses? Why do you like it? And you know, where should somebody like me, who's trying to learn um, about that that bourbon world, in how does that fit in? Where should I make that my next stop? Yeah, um, you got a great memory. I did bring that up. Uh, in fact, that night we we poured several things, and Four Roses featured. And and you know, for me, Four Roses uh, small batch select was what we poured, I believe. And it's just it, it's just complex enough to be interesting. You know, it it uh, it's mash bill. Mash bill, by the way, is like the recipe. Um, you know, and and bourbon is is you know by definition uh, corn heavy. It's it's you know fifty one percent corn or greater, um, and then there are other grains mixed in. So the the word select in in the name small batch select means that they're literally going around to barrels and kind of you know sampling and and blending in their own way. Uh, to create this this bourbon, and without getting you know too scientific about the the mash bill, um, you know it's I love it because it gives you a little bit of everything. On the nose, it's a little sweet. Um, on the palate, it starts smooth but gets a little spicy, and it finishes spicy. It finishes a little peppery, 
Um, it, it's got um, because of of the high proof. You know, it's 104, I think, proof. Um, it's got a little bit of a, a of an ethanol to it on the nose, um, which actually creates a, a little more complexity and, and and interesting vibe to it. And you compare that with the mixers that you're you know, that you were talking about, Matt. Um, which Michter's is, is a fantastic, um, you know, distillery and producing all kinds of great things. But, you know, at its core, that, that bourbon that you're mentioning is a great starting point because it's, it's smooth. Um, it's, it's got a sweetness to it that, um, you know, I think really, you know, gets people enthused about, you know, about bourbon without being overpowering and, and everything. And so from, from a Michter's, you know, where do you go next? You know, actually that, that small batch select is not a bad, uh, is not a bad place to go, but the world of bourbon is, it's massive. Um, it's, it's incredibly yeah, large. It's, I found it, it to be a relief. It's just people doing so many things. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, sorry about that. I stepped on you there, Mike. I was about to say I agree with you. I, I found it to be really um, a, an approachable spirit, and you know, it's going to be a good base for just about anything. But at the same time, it's a, a good neat pour, which is kind of how I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, another recommendation I, I would say if you want to kind of go back to the old days of bourbon, uh, Beam is producing. They they say it's limited. I don't know to what extent it's limited. It's pretty easy to find. And really inexpensive. It's called Old Pub, and uh, it goes back to the days when um, Booker No, famous uh, distiller, uh, part of the the Beam you know family, really. Um, you know, it was his favorite daily sipping bourbon, and it's it's a great you know, it's a great way to kind of go back in time. It really is created that way. And informationally, there's a you know speaking of podcast, uh, Whiskey Cast. Um, is for me, it's unbelievable. It's just a great listen, uh, all the time. You know, I was going to ask you too. Um, I think you've mentioned it before and I, I, there's a few resources I use to kind of help me either keep track of what I like or share information with the, with the community or learn information about something I don't know yet. Um, I use, uh, tequila, um, uh, matchmaker, um, a lot. And then I also use mezcal reviews. What do you use to keep track of what you like and to learn new information or to share, you know, with the whiskey community? That's that's a great question, Greg. And I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, I'm all over the board so much so that I couldn't give you any one, you know, any one reference point. But like I said, Whiskey Cast, the, 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 it's a weekly podcast. I think he's done over 800 episodes now. Um, it's incredibly well produced, informative. You know, he goes through, you know, whiskey related news all the way to, you know, tasting notes. And to me, that's, that's, I'm very, uh, I'm an audio learner. Um, and to me, it's a great way to pick stuff up. The other thing is just reading. I, you know, I subscribe to whiskey advocate, you know, I think it's American whiskey. There's a bourbon magazine that I think is called bourbon. I I can't remember. Um, you know, it's, there's just so much out there. I, books. I'm a huge avid reader. Um, and just hanging out like, like we talked about hanging out with other people that, that are into the same thing. And in most cases, no more than I do. So just basically hanging out with the, the most, uh, folks that you can at any given time and 
getting as much, absorbing as much as you can. Absolutely. Good. And that's, that's the kind of, um, just the, uh, the kind of person I think that you are and the kind of people that we, we love talking to as well. I mean, you're so knowledgeable, right? About a, a host of topics, whether it's what's on your wrist, what's in your glass, but you're also uh, a lifelong learner and nobody in the room is, is really truly uh, an expert, right? We're all still learning. And that, that to me is the fun part of all this is talking about it, learning from each other, learning something new, bringing something to the table that maybe somebody didn't know, but we're all there to, to, to just learn more about these things that we love. Absolutely. I, you know, life is, life is way too short. And, you know, I, I believe in being fully engaged and, and fully connected. It, it's really important to me. That is kind of, yeah, I, I agree with Greg completely. It's why you're so respected. You are the only guy we know who could have the watch dilettante starter kit without being a dilettante. So you've got, <laughs> you've got the collection of old Rolex you drive a Porsche, you shoot Leica, and you're not that guy. Well, I, I and I have to I have to clarify one thing, and I'm embarrassed a little bit. I don't drive Porsche. I just like to shoot Porsche with Leica. <laughs> um, now that's a problem I may remedy here pretty soon. But um, I, I love hanging out with the car community, and and Porsche has always been a fascination of mine. Um, and I've been really blessed to have a lot of friends with a lot of great cars. <laughs> well, it's Matt's, another overlapping interest. Matt's got a Matt's got a, a spiel that he's been uh, working a take, and I can't wait for him to unleash it. It's going to be really fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anxious to hear it. It's yeah, it's still a work in progress. Anyway. <laughs> Well, hey, we're we're coming up on forty odd minutes. We should probably flip this back a little bit more and ask you, you know, for the listener here, our perspective in Southern California, it's um, things have been fairly tough, really, for the past year, and probably more restrictive than most places. But it does feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. What is next for Chrono Group? How do you see Chrono Group um, kind of interacting with the community? And what sort of events are on the radar? What do you think it looks like for the next maybe three, six months? Well, next three to six months, um, obviously, there's still a lot of uncertainty in our in our local world here. But we've started to do a monthly, uh, fourth Thursday of each month, uh, virtual meetup. But it's kind of a hybrid. It, we've titled it Ask the Expert. And we've you know, kind of lined up a series of guests that um, are, I think, fascinating. We did the first one uh, last month with uh, Joe from Josmar Jewelers. Everybody, you know, or most everybody knows Joe. It was it was just the best possible way to start because Joe was at our very first OC Chrono meetup. Um, this month, we just announced, probably uh, people have seen it on, on Instagram, um, Eric Wind is going to be joining us. Eric has been a great friend of the Chrono Group for a very long time. Um, and Eric, nobody has got better stories and, and you know, just more knowledge, actually, than Eric. And, and then you mentioned uh, Morgan King. Our friend Morgan is going to join us in April. And uh, I haven't announced that yet, except now I am. Um, and that promises to be fun. I, you know, I, my working title, uh, for that episode is right now, uh, in quotations live from the bathroom, uh, Morgan King. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. And then it rolls on from there. I, I, I don't want to 
I don't want to you know jump too far ahead, but we've just got some great things coming up. But in in the the long run, we're also working on a few things. Um, you know, we're the Chrono Group, and each one of these local groups is known for a very approachable. Um, extremely um, socially driven experience. There's no pretentiousness. We we just we don't attract it. I, I'd like to say we keep it away, but we don't need to. We just don't attract it. And and it's just about people and and watches and probably more people actually than watches. And so um, that's going to continue. And, and you know the best moment of the entire experience is going to be when we can do that again face to face. But we are working on organizing that a little bit. Um, we're creating a, a board of directors. Um, this is going to always be a, a, a low-budget, not-for-profit type of thing. I want to be very clear about that. I don't want anybody thinking that we're getting ready to go commercial. We're not. But we are trying to organize it because we've realized that, that we're getting approached from all over the country. And we want to be able to do things you know, and expand the footprint in, in a way that maintains the, the ethos of, of, again, being approachable and have, having fun without people, you know, spending a fortune and having to do crazy things. So I'll leave it at that. We're going to make some announcements soon. Um, we have, you know, a, a board that we're putting together. We've got a president and it's not me. I'm excited to say uh, that means somebody else gets to do the work while I continue to do what I do best, which is, you know, network and, and just enjoy people. Um, I'm super happy about that. And yeah, more more great stuff to come. There you go, folks. You heard it here, your number one most trusted source on uh, Watch GTG, you know, breaking news. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we've, uh, I don't think we've said it yet. And there'll probably be a few people going, wait a minute, why'd you say that? Well, you know, for people who um, who don't know, I think a lot of people who listen to the early episodes are going to be in that circle, but there no doubt will be a few people who are raising their eyebrows. So, Mike, you have some kind of presence with Chrono Group in basically greater Los Angeles, San Diego, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, and what am I missing? Uh, Orange County, uh, Salt Lake City. I think you've got them, but we're getting ready. As soon as as soon as things open up, we're going to announce at least two more. Um, we've got venues planned for the first get togethers. Obviously, we don't know when, but we're we're ready to go. So you know, we've got five groups now, and and we're not on we're not on some great course. We don't care if we ever added another group or not. Um, we're just flattered that people show up, they hang out, and they go, "Yeah, I'd like to take this back to my to my local uh, you know hangout and and see what we can do with it." I have to applaud you and thank you just for that um, very decidedly approachable flavor that that you guys bring to this. It's uh, is noticeable. It's palpable. It's welcome. It's refreshing and it's fun. Um, so thank you for continuing to do that because it's uh, it's a great it's a great service I think to the community. You know it, it, that stems from my fear of walking into a room of people I don't know. And, uh, you know, I'm committed to that. And, and I know we all are. So thanks for, for pointing that out. Well, I concur with Greg. That's good stuff. Good news. Um, I think we're about to wrap it up, but I'm going to spring something on Greg real fast because I didn't tell him about this. But Mike, will you just give us a quick, uh, maybe one more minute for a few this or that questions? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. This is fun. Okay. All right. So Mike, um, Radiomir or Luminor? Oh my God. <laughs> Radiomir. 
vintage or modern? Uh, wow. Um, yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> it's impossible for me to answer. I love I love vintage watches. I'm I'm kind of vintage myself. So you know, and at the same time, there's so much great new stuff out there. Yeah, ding ding ding. That's the right answer. Good job. Show him what he's won, Greg. <laughs> All right, next, Milanese or Jubilee? Absolutely Jubilee. Asian food, Vietnamese or Korean? Oh my gosh. Uh, Vietnamese. Absolutely. Um, coming strong with the good answers. I have to say just real quick, cause I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but I, I just, today I had what we call vegan Vietnamese. Uh, it's a, it's a vegan Vietnamese restaurant. So I thought that was pretty clever vegan Vietnamese, but anyhow, go ahead. Interesting. Well, don't get me started on all the different play on words that the, the pho places have. Oh, God, yes. Yes. So, yeah, that's, I don't know if that's a phenomenon that extends beyond Southern California, but we'll leave it at that. Use your imagination, people. All right. Last but not least, Mike or Michael? Wow. Uh, Mike. Good enough. All right. Mike, thanks for joining us. Um, this has been a really a great inaugural episode for the Spirit of Time co- podcast. Um, we couldn't really think of anybody that we would rather have to help us launch. So thanks for your time. We appreciate it. This will be our last sip for the episode. I'm completely honored. Thank you. And guys, best of luck to you. Thanks for doing this. I think it's a, an extremely exciting project. Well, we're excited to keep it up. And with uh, the support of, of people like you and, and, uh, and, and the rest of the community, I think we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So to that, cheers and salute. Cheers. cheers. Salute, fellas. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.